Democrats flood the GOP primaries in Georgia. Brian Stelter finally asks a good question, but fails to follow up. And what are they planning at Davos? You're listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley. Tomorrow is Election Day for the primaries, or today, depending on when you're listening to this, in many states across the country. And all eyes, all media eyes, will be on the state of Georgia because Donald Trump has endorsed nine GOP primary candidates in the state, and the mainstream media is eager to see them all lose so that they can then claim, ha, 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 Republicans have rejected what they call the Big lie, Trump's election lie in 2020, that it was stolen. And this is a message we're already hearing from people like Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources, most unreliable source on television, who was talking yesterday about the polling numbers that showed that the Mike Pence-backed Brian Kemp, that's right, Mike Pence-backed Brian Kemp, has a large lead over the Trump-backed David Perdue, Perdue who ran largely on the position that the 2020 election was stolen. He was kind of like a proxy, a stand-in for the Trump message about the 2020 election. But my question here is, is this race for governor, the Georgia primary race, the Republican primary race, is that a good gauge of where the Republican Party stands on this issue? Because this issue of whether or not they believe the 2020 election was stolen like Trump or or whether or not they have rejected Trumpism and, and that idea. And I would say it's hard to say if that does reflect Republicans in Georgia, their belief about that. And the media will focus on this race because this is the one that it looks like a Trump candidate is most likely to lose. And it's difficult to say that that's a reflection of the Republican Party because what's going on in Georgia is that Georgia is an open primary state. And as you know, that means that you can vote in either primary regardless of your party affiliation. Now, you can't vote in both. If If you're a Democrat, you vote Republican. You cannot vote in the Democrat primary. But What we're seeing right now is we're seeing Democrats cross over, give up their right to vote in the Democrat primary, and vote in the Republican primary in record numbers right now, according to the early voting. And there will be even more to do it tomorrow. Now, this could be a problem because they, as I said, would have to give up their right to vote in the Democrat primary if anybody was challenging Stacey Abrams in the primary. But she's running uncontested. She's she's not an incumbent. She's running uncontested. For governor of Georgia and the Democrat Party. So she's got that one. All she needs is one person. Just one person to vote. And Stacey Abrams takes it home. Maybe Stacey Abrams herself will vote for Brian Kemp in the Republican primary. Maybe she herself will be a crossover voter. Now, here are some numbers to show you just how many Democrats are crossing over to vote in the Republican primary. According to the AJC, Around 7% of Georgia voters who have cast GOP ballots in the primaries so far voted in the Democrat primaries in 2020, then crossed over in 2022 and voted in the Republican primary. Now, this percentage of voters to cross over is usually around 1%. So 7% is, is much higher than it usually is. Now, if you look at the Republicans, how many Republicans have crossed over and voted in the Democrat primary this year, what we see is less than 1% of Republicans have crossed over to vote in the Democrat primary thus far this year in the early voting period. So what's going on? Are these Democrats just so disillusioned by the party that they're pulling an Elon Musk and they're switching to Republican side in record numbers? Not likely. So the AJC spoke with a bunch of these Democrats that voted in the GOP primary, and they basically said, and paraphrasing, but this is what They all express this sentiment that they want to punish 
Trump-endorsed candidates. One of them did say punish, and they want to assure you know Democrats, and they want to assure themselves that no Republican that voted or no Republican that believes in Trump's quote election lie is going to win. They want to stick it to them. And there was also a memo released on Stacey Abrams' own website written by Stacey Abrams' campaign manager titled Georgia 2022 Primary to Date, Key Takeaways. And in the memo, her campaign manager assures their followers that the 35,000 crossover voters that they identified who cast GOP ballots for the primary will be voting for the Democrat ticket in November. Now, I don't know how they could be so certain of that, or I don't know how they could identify the 35,000 crossover voters. But apparently they were able to somehow, and they know that those people are going to be siding with Stacey Abrams in the general election. So what you have is you have 35,000 people right now voting for Brian Kemp, who are then going to turn around and vote for Stacey Abrams. And on top of that, if you want to do that, if you want to go ahead and vote for Kemp tomorrow and you're a Stacey Abrams supporter, Fair Fight Georgia, the Stacey Abrams-created Democrat PAC, will drive to your house, pick you up, and drive you to the precinct themselves so you can then get out and cast your vote for Brian Kemp. Hell, maybe Stacey Abrams will pick you up herself, and she'll drive you to the precinct to vote for Kemp. You guys can vote. You can vote side-by-side with Stacey Abrams for Brian Kemp so you can stick it to Donald Trump the old-fashioned way at the precinct. So despite this, despite the fact that Democrats are crossover voting for Republicans record numbers, 35,000 so far, Voting for Brian Kemp. The media, if Brian Kemp wins tomorrow, the next day, in the months leading up to the 2020 general election in November, they will they will continue to say that this was a repudiation of Trump, that the Republicans have rejected Trump and they have rejected the idea that this false narrative about the 2020 election, it being stolen, the big lie, they'll say it's been rejected. Only a small number of crazy people still support that idea and hold that belief. And then they will go on to demonize those people who do, and they will remove their videos from YouTube as we had another video taken down from the propaganda report this past week. It was of Garland, one of his events that he had like a year ago. It was a live event of him talking about the 2020 election and interviewing people about it. Now, Garland has been doing election integrity stuff for a long time. Garland Favrito of Voter GA. And back in 2018, when John Ossoff ran for Senate against Karen Handel, John Ossoff, the Democrat, Garland believed that that election didn't come out right. He believed that Ossoff, the Democrat, actually beat Karen Handel, the Republican, and he was investigating that one on behalf that would have favored the Democrats. Yet fast forward to 2020, and he's investigating some discrepancies, which have been proven. Discrepancies have been proven. I'm not saying the word fraud. I'm saying discrepancies. Nobody denies that. There's just a different explanation given. The Democrats say, oh, well, there was just that was an idiot who was working. We had dumb people working. They've been fired. The problem's taken care of. There's no way it was election fraud. That's how it's framed over there, and we know how it's framed on the other side. And despite that, despite Garland simply seeking to find the truth about this, his videos are taken down. That's the second video we've had taken down from our channel. We have two strikes now for doing interviews with somebody who is the most even-keel, non-polarizing figure simply trying to investigate what happened in an election. And that's what they want to do. They want to silence people, and they want to create this perception, which are already they're, they've already determined the narrative. They want to create this perception that the Georgia primary showed, without a doubt, that 
Trump is losing influence and control over the Republican Party and that the Republicans don't believe this nonsense anymore. And therefore, it's dangerous when people do. They want to emphasize how dangerous it is for people to talk about that. And they will continue to attach it to the January 6th, quote, insurrection idea. It's one of the biggest cons probably in American history that we're seeing play out in front of us. Fortunately, there's enough people in America who are awake enough not to fall for it or get the wool pulled over their eyes. And other platforms are emerging that will continue to protect free speech. Now, of all the races in Georgia that people are going to be voting on tomorrow, that wouldn't even be the best indicator of whether or not Republicans still support Trump's idea that the election was stolen. A better race to gauge that would be the Georgia primary, Republican primary for Secretary of State. Because Brad Raffensperger, who is a pretend Republican and could very well be some sort of agent, I don't know. Weird backstory. He's got a weird, very non existent backstory. Those non-existent backstories are always a little suspect, especially when his family, he was born in Canada, his family ended up moving to Virginia, lived, I think, in Sterling, Virginia, right outside of Langley. Not everybody in Virginia is a CIA agent. I'm aware of that. But I'm just saying, without further information or any questions or any responses to questions about that, you know, one does have to wonder what the true background of Brad Raffensperger is. Well, he's being challenged in the Georgia Secretary of State race, which is also being flooded with Democrats. So these Democrats can vote up and down the ticket. They can vote on all the races. So they can vote for Raffensperger, whoever they want to vote for. And I'm sure that they will vote for Raffensperger to try and get him across the line. Now, he is in a tight primary race in a poll that was released just today, a few hours ago. He trails Congressman Jody Heiss 39% to 38% in a race that it is anticipated will go into a runoff because the winner has to have over over 50%, and there are a number of people challenging Raffensperger. I think everybody saw blood in the water with him because he's so corrupt, he's such a fraud, and that explains exactly why he's a media darling. They fawn over him all the time. Every article you see about him right now, they're just praising how he stood up to Trump, and now he might lose his job. What does that say about Georgia? Evil people in Georgia. And Raffensperger, we can only hope that he loses. That would actually be a better gauge of how Republicans feel, because he is the one who was in control, in charge of the elections, and he's the one that helped cover this thing up and that helped silence everything and that made sure that no questions were asked and that as soon as he did that, as soon as he fell in line, media got right behind him and he was just like one of them. Maybe he's always been one of them. I don't know. But that is the one to really kind of pay attention to tomorrow. When it comes to the Georgia governor race, I don't know if David Perdue is legitimate. I know that he's saying some things that a lot of people can agree with when it comes to his campaign platform. However, I don't know that he necessarily believes all of them 100% or he cares. He's always seemed to me like maybe a bit of an opportunist, which I think that that kind of goes with the territory with any politician. But even if he wins, I'm not going to exactly be thrilled or anything. You know, it's just a a lose-lose-lose situation, just like the 2018 Georgia governor's race was. It was lose, heads you win, tails you lose. 
kick me in the face, punch me in the balls, which I don't, I don't want to choose either one of those. So Kemp has always sucked. We've always known that. And Stacey Abrams is just a con artist. Is one of the greatest con artists of our generation. She's conned an entire nation with the help of the media establishment organization who are also con artists. So either way, the left is going to get what they want in Georgia. And that could be Kemp. It could be Abrams. I don't know who would win. Abrams always does good as a loser. So I hesitate to say that Abrams would win, but she could. She could win. I don't know. She's gained her power and prominence by losing and then claiming oppression when she loses. That's how she's risen politically since she was in college. Okay, and another election story related to that. The Georgia Election Board is refusing calls for a switch to paper ballots after there was a possible election security breach in Coffee County, Georgia, that election experts say could compromise the whole state's voting system. And this is the, the Dominion voting machines are involved here. And apparently someone that they're calling a former Trump supporter, he got access to one of the election servers and he made copies of the images of the code that runs that server. And the head of Georgia Tech's cybersecurity program says that this potentially threatens the entire voting system in the entire state. So it's all vulnerable, according to this story, which is being investigated still. And the Georgia, the Board of Elections in Georgia is refusing to switch to paper ballots. Despite in recent weeks, candidates from Republican, Democrats, and Libertarians have all asked the state board to use its emergency power to switch the primary election to hand-marked paper ballots. Many of them cited ongoing cybersecurity threat to the, to the voting system, just as the Georgia Tech cybersecurity program had said just there. Despite that, the head of the election board, which is a, uh, who was appointed by Brian Kemp, says he does not see that as a proper use of emergency powers, and they will not do it. He says you should sue them instead. Sue the state of Georgia. We're not going to do the emergency powers. We're going to continue to use the Dominion election system that we have used that has been so many questions about yet anybody who questions that there might be a problem with the vote count is a crazy conspiracy theorist who gets a strike on youtube and gets their videos removed and gets ostracized by society or by the media if they would have it their way yeah yeah but there's been there's been a breach but yeah that doesn't matter you're crazy for thinking that maybe that breach could cause a problem I'm surprised they haven't rounded up the Coffee County people who made this claim, who showed them this, tarred and feathered them, marched them naked through Fulton County, and made them kiss the feet of Stacey Abrams before she lops their head off. That seems about like the proper punishment for somebody who dare point out a vulnerability in the almighty voting systems in Georgia, which we know, we know are the safest, most secure voting systems the world has ever seen. I mean, you can hack literally anything. There's a cyber attack every single day. Something gets hacked. Somebody's naked pictures gets leaked or somebody's crypto gets stolen. Yet the Georgia voting machines are the only thing that is able to withstand all of those cyber attacks that they might come under fire from. It makes perfect sense. Okay, so Elon Musk was recently accused of sexual harassment in an article by the publication The Insider. And Musk responded on Twitter, as he does, by saying that it didn't happen, that it's going to be blood in the water, he's going to sue him. And uh, Brian Stelter, 
yesterday on reliable sources, most unreliable sources on television. You know, you know how it goes. And he brought the guy who was the global editor in chief for the insider, Nicholas Carlson, onto his show to respond to Elon Musk's tweet about his article. So yeah, that's how it works. So instead of this guy responding via Twitter, he comes on Brian Stelter's show. And Brian Stelter made a point to say, live from Davos, which that I'm assuming he is an attendee and not somebody covering it, which kind of already tells you what you need to know about that guy. He has to respond on Stelter's show to a tweet that Elon Musk made about his publication. It seems like a bit, a bit much. Seems like you could just re- reply to the tweet. But here is what Stelter, he asked him a, an actual good question. Stelter asked him about the unnamed accuser and I'll let you hear the question and how this guy responded to the question about the unnamed accuser really tells you everything you need to know about the standards in journalism today and what about the accuser in this case the unnamed accuser have your reporters been in touch with her and does she have any further comments You know, what we're going to do is we're going to stay in touch with our sources. We're going to look for more documents. We are going to pursue any leads that avail themselves to us. And when there's more to say, we'll say it. And it'll be as thoroughly Mm. vetted and as solid and rock rock solid as the the last report we made on this. And what about the accuser in this case, the unnamed accuser? Have your reporters been in touch with her? And does she have any further comments? You know, what we're going to do is we're going to stay in touch with our sources. We're going to look for more documents. We are going to pursue any leads that avail themselves to us. And when there's more to say, we'll say it. And it'll be as thoroughly vetted and as solid and rock, rock solid as the, as the last report we made on this. That's how rock solid the last report they made on it was. They did not talk to the accuser. He was asked directly a great question by Stelter, which he did not follow up. Yes, but did you talk to the accuser? He just let that slide. The guy actually then went on to talk about, here's how you do journalism when you're doing ethical, good journalism. That's what he talked about after this. And Stelter didn't follow up. He didn't stop him. But it's going to be as thoroughly vetted and rock solid as their first one. They didn't even talk to her. They're going to pursue leads. Is that lead not going to be the person who made the accusation. They're going to look for documents, but they're not going to talk to the person who made the accusation. This is not, this is not journalism. This, I don't know what happened. Maybe he did sexually assault her. I do not know. But it does not help the case of someone who is an actual victim of something when this is the type of journalism that's being done to, to present the case to the public. And when it just looks like it's a political hit, and that's what it looks like, or a hit because he's fallen on the wrong side of the ESG standard metric. Although I'm telling you, Elon Musk is not necessarily your friend. He might say some things that seem good, but I don't know that I trust him. Okay, so Davos is this week. And I know we all love Davos. Klaus Schwab and everybody gets together at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting where this collection of douchebags all circle up so they can try and create world policy that they can then force upon us and indirect ways through corporations through anybody who they can indoctrinate that's around us and this year the meeting is centered around the theme of history at a turning point government policies and business strategies that's what it's called now the meeting will convene 200 2500 leaders around the world to tackle global issues and find solutions to the world's most urgent challenges including the ongoing global pandemic the war in ukraine geoeconomic shocks, and of course, 
climate change. Where would we be without climate change thrown in there? It's always climate change. Now, I watched some of the videos last night, and I've watched a little bit of them today. They just do meetings all day long and panel discussions all day long where they, they just, they're so up each other's backside. It's unbelievable how much these people, how smart these people think they are. But one of the major things I noticed they were talking about was the rebuilding of trust. They know that they've lost the trust of the public and that people are revolting around the world and they need to rebuild trust in these messages that they're delivering so that they can then influence us to accept them so that they, we can then beg for what they already wanted to impose in the first place. And they talked about last night in some of these meetings how the way they do this is they go local, local, local. They make it appear like it is coming from your grandmother, your, your father, your pastor, your coach, your teacher, your dog, your gerbil, whoever they can get inside the head of and indoctrinate so they can then get them to deliver that message to you. So they want to rebuild trust by putting the messages in the mouths of the already trusted who are close to us. It's like sounds kind of like they're going to be setting up little sleeper cells and whatnot around the world essentially if they had their way with it. and that's what they would that's why they have these global shapers they talk about and these younger people who they bring in and they then indoctrinate and then they send back out into the world to be their little mouthpieces and they're very open about that and this is what I'm going to talk about continue talking about in the XR I'm going to play you some clips of this one lady who seems kind of like psycho, and let you hear for yourself what she says about where the power, where the influence is in the world, how they're going to go about rebuilding trust, and we'll talk about it a little bit. You know what? We'll do one right now. I forgot about the Klaus clip of his opening statement, his introductory speech that he made, where he talks about what they're there to do. I'll, I'll play that one for you guys here, and then we'll pick up with the rest of them in the DMBXR. Here's Klaus Schwab in his opening address to the Davos community. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world, but two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda. The future is built by them. That's what they're there to do. Klaus is very clear about it. We all knew that. And it's good to hear him just be completely open about that. And the two conditions, that's what stood out to me. The two conditions were stakeholder capitalism. So everybody must engage in stakeholder capitalism. And... 
in the larger community anyway. Now, this is imposing values. This is forcing morals upon businesses and individuals and communities, their morals, the morals, the things that they de- determine are moral and they determine are just. They believe we should have a singular system of values and morals throughout the entire world and that they should be the ones who get to determine what those values and morals are. And I actually heard Klaus say this when he was having a discussion. This was back I think in November of last year, about the great narrative. And there was a woman on the panel who was trying to describe how how can we force what we want Facebook to do on them? How can we just make them do it? How can we make other people do what we want? And Klaus explained to her that you say it as stakeholder capitalism. So instead of saying force it on people, because that sounds bad, you call it stakeholder capitalism. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. Forcing values and morals on the entire planet and all the individuals and businesses and communities within it that they get to determine at these stupid little meetings where the, all these D-bags circle up and do who knows what to each other after the lights go out. Okay, that's going to be the show for today. I thank you guys for listening. And if you want to get access to that XR content, that exclusive content, you can sign up at patreon.com slash report rockfin.com slash propaganda report or propreport.locals.com where every time we drop a DMB, we drop a XR as well with some of that exclusive content that we might not be sure if we can get away with talking about in the free 20 to 30. So check that out. You can check out the different tiers and the different offerings we have on each platform. We will be updating the offerings on each platform as we move forward too. All right, that's the show for today. Thank you guys for listening. You guys can find your drive time and news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We'll talk to you guys next time or in the XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.